Welcome to the last episode of Season 3 of the Outside and Active podcast. Our latest guest rose to public fame when a picture circulated of her having a break during the UTMB mountain race. There's nothing unusual about that, you might think, but the picture of Sophie Power was taken while she was breastfeeding her three-month-old baby during the 106-mile race after being denied a deferral of that year. After the race, Sophie started sharing her story on social media and campaigning for women in sport. She recently launched SheRaces.com, which is a set of guidelines for race event directors to help make races more equitable for women. We talked to Sophie about running, family, adventure, and the importance of making events open and accessible for all. Before we dive into the episode, we wanted to say a thank you to our awesome friends at Whereabouts Holidays for supporting us this season. Whereabouts are a newly relaunched travel agent sending people on their bucket list adventure holidays every year from epic explorations to incredible backpacking adventures. You really will dig their tours. Visit whereaboutsholidays.com now. Now, back to the episode with Sophie. God, yeah it's oh god UTMB that brings back memories that, that that's been an extreme ultra but yeah. they start at kind of 30 miles and yeah. I don't know it's, it just sounds really scary the world ultra but it's so much more accessible I think than road marathons so yeah um, well I think it's also I mean for me personally I dislike running on the road as much as I like running on trails so it's kind of just I mean that appeals as well right and you've got a, it feels like it's a different community when you get out on a on a trail run it's so friendly. I think, and the other, like for me, racing is, is I don't have a crew and I don't have people around me. So you do a race. It's actually just a way to get someone to support you yeah. to have all the food there, have all the drink there. You get, meet great people as well, but it makes it accessible to yeah. do those longer trails in the beautiful places. And often it's marked routes so you don't get lost as much. Yeah, you're not totally I, lost. I, 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 <laughs> I you get lost, lost on, I was going to say, South Down oh, what, what happened? Man. I saw your comments. Uh, so South Downs Bay 100, so I did that kind of 10 days ago. Yeah. And it was all going so well. Um, and I was aiming for sub-20 hours, um, yeah. which would have been a two-hour PB. And I was, I was tracking at sub-19. I was like, this is going great. Amazing. And I... I had my lovely friend Wendy pacing me mm-hmm. and she's never paced before. So she was, and I was at this point three miles to go, just head down following her feet. And she was following a track on her watch and not the uh, markers. And the track Ooh, on the watch okay. took off. And it's a very, it's a, if you're looking for the markers, it's a brilliantly marked end of the trail to right. get off the South Downs towards the finish. It doesn't follow the track on the watch. And so we ended up bushwhacking for, kind of 20 minutes before oh, heading no. back and then um rescuing I pulled out my ordnance survey on my phone in the end I was like I know which trail it is to go down yeah, and let's follow that it. but it was no it's it's a good learning but for me I got my goal on the race I went so 20 um yeah. I think it's 1918 in the end um and I've had a good learning for next time yeah so, well, every event's um Every event's a learning curve, isn't it? Every everything like that, that you enter because it's. I won't, uh, I won't do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I say that now. <laughs> yeah. You've said it, but I don't think this one will stick. <laughs> um, it, was, it was. It was worth. It, it, it was worth it in the end, and it, it was yeah. annoying because I just caught up quite a few places. Um, I know taking some guys and taking me ages to overtake them, and they end up finished like twenty five minutes quicker than me, and it's like. But I, I think you learn, and, and, and I wasn't racing, and I had a brilliant time. And I think you, you can't rely on your paces. It's, it's your own respo- It's my own responsibility, and yeah. um, I've got to be looking at my 
my nav, even at the end of the race, don't take your eye off the ball. Don't take your eye off the ball. When you're that tired as well, though, that must be quite hard, right? Because it's, I mean, 19 hours being awake that long is hard, but actually running that distance in the downs. I mean, it's not the peak district, but it's definitely not flat, is it? Um, so it's that must take it out of you. It must be quite hard to concentrate. I was actually okay at that time. I think I really struggle around three, two, three in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I was finishing around midnight. Two, three in the morning is my, I'm going to go wrong. I'm going to want to quit I'm not going to want to get through this and then as soon as you see the first rays of sunshine it's like you've had kind of that whole night's sleep but yeah um, I know that's my my dodgy time so this is actually a shorter race than that I typically run races more kind of towards 24 hours plus so mm-hmm. this is a short one yeah <laughs> short one just 100 miles this time but I noticed I think I read somewhere else you said about entering these kind of 24-hour type challenges as opposed to as opposed to the multi-stage mainly to try and help fit in with family and so that you're not away quite as much and, and that sort of thing is that right yeah so before I had so I've got three kids my oldest is seven um and I picked up running just 11 12 years ago when I signed up for the marathon as up with not being a runner. I mean, that's your and, first run to sign up for. It's it's pretty pretty small. <laughs> if you don't know what you're doing, that's the case. If I think I'd know, maybe I'd, I'd never be here. But yeah. um, now I just stage races all over the world, and I, I I drag my hubby along for a few of them. He came out to Iceland with me in Nepal. Now he specialises in the ice ultra because he likes cold, and I do not wow. like cold. So he goes and does that. But they take kind of 10, 11 days, and it was our holiday. Um, and when you have kids, it's really hard to do that. And I, I did one when my oldest was kind of 10 months where my husband's like, you just need to get away. And, and I went to Utah to do grand to grand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did realize at the end of every day, I was waiting around a lot. I'd finished quite early, waiting around a lot. And I was thinking I could just fit this whole thing in nonstop and get back to my kids. Mm-hmm. And that's what I felt I wanted to do more. And and those longer challenges, I think the longer the race nonstop, the better I do. So things like Spartathlon, which is kind of up to 36 hours, the spine um, in the summer, which was up to five days for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, I get back to the kids a lot quicker and I've got had my challenge and really had a, a massive challenge. Um, and it just fits into life much better. They stay away for up to two weeks doesn't really work anymore. And um, yeah. it doesn't work for me and it doesn't work for the kids either. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? It's you're you're a team, I'm guessing, the five of you then. So it, it kind of does matter how you all fit into each other's schedules, doesn't it? Exactly. And we 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 don't have challenges at the same time. My husband's he's got an Ironman in August. I've got 24 hour um in September. We we try and work it around each other. So we're not doing yeah. the same thing and in peak training at the same time. But um yeah. really this is just what we like doing. This is just fun. Yeah. And family comes first. So I need to make sure that I'm not um, putting too many demands on them and making things that it's yeah. it's not right for them, but at the same time making sure that I've got my own goals and I've got kind of the part of me that's that's not mum. Yeah, um, yeah there, there is still you that exists, right? <laughs> it's not just mum. So many women find that really hard because when you have yeah. kids, you're kind of told you've got to be mum, 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 and then you're working and it's mum and work. And, and, and I really find that having the running side kind of makes me a much better mum, makes me a much balanced person, mm-hmm. um, makes me a nicer person when I come home in the door after a run. The kids love it. They're like, are you going for a run? <laughs> yeah, like, please go for a run. Because <laughs> dad's going to give us like the best snacks yeah. that you're never going to give us while, while you're out. Um, 
and they they love they love the running. They do the, they do the kids race before South Downs Hundred. Okay. Oh, a kids uh, a mile kids race the night before my. My hubby carried my 18-month-old around most of it. And it's like totally across the finish line. It was really cute. Amazing. Amazing. Well, it's it's incredible. I mean, that just what it inspires in our kid. I've got three little ones as well. Um, and when you see them sort of take off on their first little race or whatever, it's not it's not even the race thing, is it? It's just taking part in it. But when you sort of see them do it for the first time, there's there's no greater feeling. So we we know it in um in my run group down here that there's a lot of moms and dads. Um, but you can tell the same as what you said. It's you know once they've done the school run or something, they kind of get out and they've got that hour of their time just to do whatever it is they want to do and actually running up. I'm very fortunate to live on the South Downs and actually running up over the Downs is, um, you know, such a great escape for them as well. Oh, it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm North Downs. I'm literally looking out my window in my, in my daughter's bedroom and, and looking out over the North Downs now. And it's, it's just beautiful. Yeah. I think we're so fortunate to be, uh, we used to be in London, but kind of yeah. out in the countryside where our hike to school, we hike to school run, and the kids hike up this big hill to the most beautiful view. Amazing. Um, and then they run down it after school. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I think ours is in reverse. We're down a big hill to start and then up a long hill, which on the hot days is quite hard trying to get them home. <laughs> um, but I realise we've started this lovely chat um, and I haven't even introduced you yet. Um, but so, <laughs> um, welcome, Sophie Power. <laughs> Um, you're, so you've just started something called She Races, which we'll come on to in a minute. But I think perhaps for those that don't know you or possibly do know you um, and kind of maybe a bit of your backstory. But I mean, I know I certainly first came across you in, was it 2018 when I'm yes. doing the air quotes, that picture came up. Um, there's a picture quite heavily shared of you breastfeeding. Um, which is not unusual for uh, people like me. It's totally normal and fine, but it was the fact that you're in the middle of a hundred plus mile race across the French mountains. Um, and I think a lot of people, when in that picture, I don't know who the, the guy was next to you, but you know, he was almost looked asleep with his feet resting, kind of, you know, in, in recovery mode in this rest break. But there were you trying to obviously concentrate and and feed your child as well. So maybe you could just tell us a little bit about that for people that don't really um, sort of know you or, or where you came from with that. Sure. So, so the race is UTMB, so the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc. Um, and I ran it when Cormac, my second, was three months old. Um, I had a place when my oldest was, um, well, I was pregnant my oldest and I lost that place because they wouldn't defer for pregnancy. And then they wouldn't defer again when I was going to have a three-month-old on the start line. I I tried to get a place for those four years, and I I couldn't get it. So I um I just thought, well, I'm just going to be on the start line and and see how far I can get round. And um, I managed to complete it with with him being kind of three months old. But I was only breastfeeding at the time, and so I had to pump milk uh, around the the whole course. Um, squeeze it out. I mean, you can at the first 16 hours, I can get to him. Um, so that was really painful. There's probably lots of mums of young babies just like, like ouch. Yeah. Um, and sporting pair of watermelons. And I, it was, it was bonkers. It was, I wasn't really thinking about that it was anything unusual. It was just a case of I have this goal for many, many years to do this race. Mm-hmm. This is my opportunity. I'm, I'm not going to get another opportunity for many years. I've got to build these points back up again and then get be lucky in the ballot. Um, I have to take that. But I also, I'm mother to this baby mm-hmm. and I have to try and balance both. And um, it was, it was, I was really lucky to be able to do that that day. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what an experience for for them to tell their their friends in the future as well, right? But I mean, that, that's incredible. Like, I guess, um, I mean, where where do we begin with kind of what happens with she races? Because it's not just about deferrals, right? Like that, you know, maybe it's accepting of what happens to women when they have children and just being able to understand that actually, of course, you can defer that entry for another year. But what could race organizers do to help make that easier or help make that happen for future events? No, there's so much. So I guess the background on She Races is I've spent my time since UTMB kind of being approached by women saying, kind of, can you help me with this race? I, I haven't, I, I, I resonate with your story. I've lost my place in this race and me contacting organisers on their behalf and campaigning for this. And, and we got a win with the London Marathon last year, kind of allowed Good for Age places finally to have an opportunity to at least be on the start line the year after, which they didn't before. Um, but I, I was contacted after the UTMB by a lot of race organisers and they just said, we just never thought about this wow. because we mostly men and we haven't had babies and all we could women that haven't got back to racing after having babies. And we don't know how to do this. Um, and at the same time, there's a, a real minority of women in ultra running. We're less than 20 percent starters. And um, even the same thing in a lot of the marathon races and some of the trail races. We're a minority. So I talked to so many runners and so many race directors, and it was all about can we come up with a set of guidelines to support race directors in making their race um, inclusive of women? Mm-hmm. So how do we make sure that women are on the start line? How do we encourage women to the start line? How do we give women a kind of equal um, experience, a great experience when they do race? And how do we treat the women's competition um, in, in equal standing to the men's? Um, so we put a survey out and we've had almost 2,000 responses wow. and the stories that women are telling are incredible. Um, generally in not a great way. Um, oh, okay. But everything from kind of um, websites only having images of um, kind of skinny white men on them, which mm-hmm. for me, I look, I, I don't belong there. Um, yeah. Running is for all shapes, kind of all sizes, all colours, all backgrounds. Um, for all the unisex t-shirts, um, mm-hmm. the, 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 the races, the lack of toilet, I mean, two thousand women say they've had lack of toilet facilities, changing facilities, just safety and thinking about us. And then unequal prize money, unequal coverage of our, our race in the results, pulling all the, the results in a big list. Mm-hmm. So if you want to find the women's podium, you've got to go down and go, okay, there's kind of like eight places women then, and then see that. And then calculate than, it, yeah. So it's so many things, but they're so simple. And yeah. so many race directors just want to do the right thing because kind of almost 90% of women would choose a race. I'd be more likely to choose a race that kind of says, I, I, I believe in this and I'm going to do everything I can. So that's what we're all about, really helping race directors um, and then having them sign up to um, a kind of a free commitment that they'll do this and put it on their website, how they're helping. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can then brand themselves, say, kind of this women come and do our race we're going to look after you yeah I think I mean I think that's quite incredible and it's um I was going to ask you the exact question of why do we think there is less participation but I think you've answered it and if you kind of look at each stage of the journey from the the first point of marketing the event you know just saying that we are open we are accessible and we are listening um you know using images and such like and it's it's the same like I'm not a skinny white male either and sometimes you know from my perspective you sort of see those images and go nah that's an elite race I'm not going to take part so I could I could understand your sort of feelings of 
well, there's no women in it, so I probably won't enter it, right? So just just sort of starting with the basics of marketing, I guess, would would help, would it? Uh, I completely, and and I think um, we kind of all know that in the in the the language around races in ultras, kind of everyone likes to brand their race as the toughest, the hardest. <laughs> they're like, you're going to basically be on the verge of death, completing yeah. this, and and yeah. um, and that's great. I mean, that attracts a lot of people, of course, mostly men. Right. For women, we're looking at the cutoffs and kind of um, thinking, uh, kind of, can we make this? What what can we do? And I think reframing some of the races in that you can walk and finish, mm-hmm. which is a lot of races out there. You can walk and finish a lot of 10K races with, you yeah. can look, walk and finish most ultra marathons. Um, especially there's, there's some great races out there that can have walking starts. Mm-hmm. So reframing it in is like, this is not, it is very tough. It's going to be really tough mentally. You're going to have to get through a yeah. lot, but it's possible. Yeah. Um, and that those kind of things, um, kind of the accessibility, how are you going to do things? We always think about the logistics. Yeah. Um, my husband signed up for the cycle race where he'd have to get his bike to one side of the country and then his bike and then get picked up from the other side of the country. And I'm like, you just signed up without actually thinking of how this is going to work. There's no trains, there's no it. buses. Yeah. And um and he's like, oh, yeah. Whereas I, I go through the whole thing going, can I get there? How am I going to sort the kids out? Yeah. Kind of what's he doing this weekend? It's it's making it. And, and and I think the same thing with pumping and breastfeeding, kind of having that open to say, if you need anything else, can we, can we help in any way? Yeah. Just just send us a message. And, yeah. and just knowing you can do that makes you feel much more comfortable signing up in the first place. And for a lot of men as well. I mean, men have... Yeah kind of different needs as well it's not just about women it's it's yeah. about everyone well it's the accessibility right I've done a lot of work with um disabled groups and such like just to try and make things more accessible and it's actually quite often not everyone will ask the question you know we'll come on to maybe toilets in a second but where's the toilet and it's it's maybe it's having that information super clear and super easy to find on the website obviously as organizers go through this learning process you know please do try and ask some questions but it's like making that information really easy and open and accessible means someone doesn't have to ask, means you might not put off that person from coming. So I think that that's what I've learned from, from that side of things. But maybe toilets is the other part. You know, you quite often will see a bunch of um, urinals, certainly for the men at the start. You'll see a number of porta parties, probably about six per thousand or whatever the thing might be, depending on the race you're at. But it's again, as a as a male, we're very fortunate that if you really need to go, you can kind of find a tree somewhere en route and, you know, you'll, you'll be OK. Obviously, it's not quite the same for women. So is that is that a case of getting more toilets on courses? Like what what is it that people can do? How can how can organizers kind of make that bit more accessible and more more? Well, I don't know. Welcoming. Is that the right word? I think it's, it's thinking about the course. Like, of course, if you've got a remote mountain ultra, you're not going to be putting portalies on the mountain. Yeah. Um, but thinking about having separate um, male and female portalies at the start of the races um, and enough provision, um, and making it clear, kind of that there, there are toilets and um, yeah. and we're not going to have such a long queue. Um, Centurion did at their recent race, and and all the men are left at the last minute to go to the toilet. So there's this. I've got a brilliant picture of men having a queue. And the women's having a much shorter queue. And I thought, I've never seen that before. Maybe <laughs> yeah. a couple of rugby matches. Yeah. Um, but it's thinking about making it obvious. So on the, the longer races, when there aren't, say, these are the checkpoints that have toilets on them. These are actually the toilets, public toilets that will be open on the course as well. 
um, making sure there's sufficient provision at the start line and you're not left in a field waiting for kind of 30 minutes with no kind of toilet before the gun goes off, which, which is fine for the men because they go and pee at the side and, and mm-hmm. increasingly will do that, but lots aren't comfortable. Um, we're thinking about things like managing periods. So when you've got your period, when you race, you do actually want to use um, a toilet where you can um, and have the provisions at the checkpoints if you get your period on a race, which happens quite frequently and you're not expecting it. Just those kind of considerations that um, you may not have as a, as a race director, but can make them a real difference to, to women on your race being comfortable to participate or can especially comfortable if something happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So it is it is about making it more obvious and more um, more aware. I think throughout the whole point of someone signing up, right? And and then what about clothing? Um, so I know I asked uh, some of my uh, um, women runners in my group, and I asked them about this. And it's more often than not, it is the unisex shirt, like you say. I know from obviously cost from an organizer is probably the main reason why they're not doing the two. They can buy a bigger bulk of one. Um, but what's what's the answer there? Like if they, um, you know, cost wise, that will go up. That means they'll make less races themselves to put on and becoming more expensive. What's the answer? How do they how do they do this? So it is fair for all. And I'm, I'm not a fan of race T-shirts. Um, if we look how many thousands end up mm-hmm. in landfill, um, these are typically very low quality T-shirts around kind of they cost around two pound fifty. Um, for the race organisers and a big sport of trees, not tees. So planting a, a tree instead of having a t-shirt um, and certainly kind of rerun who yeah. um, try and rehome these t-shirts and have real struggles doing it. So I don't believe in low quality race t-shirts, mm-hmm. um, but when you're going to do a race and you want something, sometimes your race t-shirt can be the most sustainable piece of clothing in your wardrobe. Um my husband's ice ultra hoodie has been, I mean, it's pretty much all he wears, actually. It's a really nice hoodie. Um, and he wears it more than anything else. It's the most sustainable thing. So kind of high quality piece of clothing, which will be kind of around equal price for, yeah. for men and for women. But the principle really is that if you're going to give an award to a man, you've got to give an award that's of equal value to a woman. That's mm-hmm. the principle. And that means that if it's a unisex T-shirt, it's a male fit t-shirt. There are women that like the baggy fit. Um, I put, when I was 37 weeks pregnant with my, um, my daughter, my, he's now 18 months. Um, I tried on my race t-shirts and they fit really nicely when I was 37 (laughs) weeks pregnant. And these aren't kind of small races. This is kind of Spartathlon. This is the spine. This is UTG. These are races that I would love to wear those t-shirts. I'm so proud of finishing them. Um, but, they are just tense and I'm saving them for when my kids are teenagers and the boys are playing yeah. sport and they can go wear a spine t-shirt. Yeah. Um, and that's it. I think kind of, I cried after the spine. I cried on the way home. I, I run 119 hours and I had a t-shirt that was down to my knees. Um, and actually Sabrina Vergie had, had won the race overall, a woman won overall, um, which made it kind of, it should have made it worse, but in my sense it, it did. Um, it's got to be equal. Yeah. So I think that's the thing. And then for women, sizing comes up differently. So kind of putting a size guide on how big these t-shirts are could be really helpful because a small in one brand is completely different to a small yeah, in another. Yeah. It's when we're not asking for something that's really difficult to do. Um, and knowing that you're getting the right size t-shirt for men as well, a sizing guide yeah. means that they all get the right size and it's not going to go into landfill. 
Oh, for sure. And I think, you know, back to one of your earlier comments about the using images of women in, in the races and such like, but it's like actually get those T-shirts, put them in those T-shirts and take pictures of them. So you can use them in your campaigns, but then also, like you said, everywhere, male or female can sort of see what best might fit them. You know, I think that could that could help as well, couldn't it? Uh, com- completely. I mean, it's, it's we and, and it's, I guess, for race organisers, I always think about it from a business point of view. You want people to wear your T-shirt so that you can market the race. If the T-shirt doesn't fit them, they're not going to wear it. Yeah, oh, definitely. There, there's an event that we partake in locally that has never done larger than a large T-shirt. Um, and every year it's requested to have bigger. I mean, my, myself, I'm six foot six, so a large on me is kind of like a crop top. Um, it doesn't work. And it's, again, it's an event that we love, but for exact reason you just said, we can't promote it because they don't fit. And most people there are bigger than a large, um, just naturally, natural shape and size. So it's, um, yeah, hope, hopefully this year they'll finally have listened and take part. But so maybe that comes on to the next part. We've talked kind of about the organisers, but what can the individual do or, you know, sort of clubs like mine, for example, what can we do to sort of help make these events more accessible? I think first it's going to speaking up, kind of a lot of the, the survey responses and stories kind of gone back to some of the women and said, did you tell the race? And they're like, no. So actively saying to a race, I've done this race and this is how I think it should be better. Um, and, and sending them a link to our guidelines. It's, it's sheraces.com. We're on Instagram and, 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 and Twitter, but it's, it's send them a link to the guidelines and say, these are the kind of things that you should be considering Mm-hmm. Um, it's not prescriptive. Every race is different and kind of we know that they're businesses and we want to make it kind of net positive to do this because you're getting more people on the start line. But just telling races what they can do better. Mm. And if they don't come back, if they, if they don't come back with a positive answer, then vote with your feet mm-hmm. and go to another race. Um, I know this year kind of races are really struggling to get participants. And and I feel that the races that stand out and say that they're going to provide the best experience are, are the ones that are going to survive. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and it shows they're listening to the community right and the brands that sponsor them i think the the way through is some to, to generate change in some races that have changed has actually been through the brands that sponsor them um because you may have people at the top of the race that that aren't interested in, in female participation and, mm-hmm. and and sadly this is still the case um even for the biggest races but there are brands that sponsor them and the brands that they rely on and brands care because we buy their stuff. Mm-hmm. So if there's a brand that's sponsoring a race that's not doing the right thing, then write to the brand and say, yeah. did you realize this is happening? Send them the guidelines, send them what the race is, is should be doing to be more inclusive. Um, and maybe they can put the, the the financial nudge into the race to, to do the right thing. Yeah, they might be able to help sway that. And so we will link to all of those guidelines and things um, in the notes, but it was sheraces.com is the website, right? Yes. And you still have the survey open, I think, as well. You're still trying to capture capture as many responses as you can. Is that right? Absolutely. I think kind of the, um, I, I, I'm not sure the percentages of some of the questions kind of, we've, we've worked out kind of the survey kind of what people have experienced and why yeah. and, and, and realised, I think, the scale of the problem. And it's very much not an ultra runner survey. I think we've only got about a third of the people, 25% have done an ultra, kind of mm-hmm. everything from 5K upwards. Um, but some of the stories um, that we can highlight and the examples that people can give us and and highlighting the great races and um, mm-hmm. highlighting the races that can improve, 
we're using all of that and, and what we're good doing next, um, which is really trying to get everyone engaged and, and going to the races and saying, this is what you could do better or looking at their next race and the imagery and having a look and going, is this right? And writing to the race director because I, I, part of the reason she races, I realized I can't just do this on my own. Okay. It was one race at a time. It was messages coming in my Instagram and I'm mama three and I'm working and how do we empower everyone else yeah. to have this kind of something to go to, this to point to the few races and say, this is what needs to be done. And and hopefully we we change some of the percentages of people feeling uh, that they're struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we make a better opportunity for, for women to race. And I think it's maybe from the organizer's perspective, I think they would be welcome to this feedback because similar to what you just said of, a lot of them, it won't necessarily be their main job. So they'll probably be balancing all sorts of things like family work and then this race. So I expect they would welcome that kind of feedback or welcome someone to come in and actually help advise them and, and maybe tell them what they could be doing better. And, and, you know, you never know, you might be suddenly part of that event itself. So I think um, I think organizers would be very welcome. Welcome to that feedback. Yeah, and we want to, we want to really highlight the races. That there, there are some races that are brilliant. There are races that are and even starting to wait a competitive ballot uh, to get more more women on the start line and really actively going the extra mile and 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 what I want to do is highlight those races because if you're kind of a woman looking for what race to choose and you're nervous about race day and certainly stepping up in distance um you'll know that this is the race that you're going to have the best possible experience at and we can help the the races in the same way that they can help women yeah, a hundred percent. Well, Sophie, what's next for you? Obviously, you're sort of you're you're pushing forward with this campaign at the minute. So you're trying to grow reach on that. But what about personally for you and in, in your challenges? What are you up to next? So I have so it's just on the South Downs hundred. So I'm in recovery yeah. mode. It's lovely. Just as the sun comes out. <laughs> I know. I took a good seven days that running, and then I thought, oh, this is beautiful. I'm going to go for a jog. Um, I'm now building up to the um, the European 24 Hour Championships in Verona in September which is really exciting I've, I've kind of realized I'm not a great technical trails I love mountain running yeah but I don't live in the mountains and yeah. I love South Downs is probably the perfect race for me because it's rolling hills like the North Downs but yeah I want to see how far I can go in the 24 hour distance so Amazing. that's next and then Spartathlon next year again Incredible. so I am um, yeah I finished Spartathlon in 2016 I got a massive edema in my quad um, okay. after 138 miles Ooh. so I had to limp the last 15 and didn't really get that big funny finish for the kids on the bikes and the yeah. um so I finished but I want to go back and I've just got my qualifier so oh congratulations it's going to be that next and then hopefully back to UTMB one year back yeah. to UTMB when when all the pregnancy policy and everything is sorted out then I'd love to go back and, and celebrate that well, fingers crossed, and I hope they I hope they're listening to this and paying attention to the shoe races of what you guys are doing there as well. And um, well, Sophie, thank you so much. We'll put links and all that kind of stuff for everyone to to sort of follow shoe races and support the campaign and support then your local events, hopefully. So Sophie, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to our conversation with Sophie Power. If you liked what you heard, please do give us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast player and leave us a comment about why you like the series so much. Thank you also to our friends at Whereabouts Holidays. Book your next epic adventure now at whereaboutsholidays.com. Until next time, see you on the outside.